make out with him. A crushes dating, friendship, and kissing podcast hosted by love amateurs Lex Croucher and Rosiana Hothrojas. We are here to give you bad advice whether you want to make out with him, her, them, everybody, or nobody. Send us your questions to makeoutwithhim at gmail.com or use hashtag makeoutwithhim on Twitter or tweet at makeoutwithhim. If possible, please include your pronouns and the name you'd like us to call you, or you can just be a nonny mouse. A nonny 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 mouse. A nonny nonny. If you'd like to help us out with Ronnie Costs, you can support our Patreon at patreon.com slash makeoutwithhim. That's where we live. How are you? <laughs> I, I joined a choir. You did join a choir. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. I'm proud of me too. You've only been talking about it for 84 years. I mean, yeah, like literally three years. (laughs) Because there's a choir that I hear sometimes because it's like in my area. And I was always like, yeah, I want to get on that. I want to join that darn choir. And it's one of those things where you just say you're going to do it forever. And you don't get around to doing it. And then I was just like, what if I got hit by a bus? tomorrow and I never got to experience the joy of being in a choir because I know that I love doing it and so I joined a choir and everyone was so nice it was like there were lots of people there that probably I wouldn't normally hang out with like all different ages like all different backgrounds it was so fun and I got to speak to people that like lived locally to me and it was just this amazing sense of community um, and having said that, they all went to the pub after practice and I didn't go with them. <laughs> so, you know, obviously I was like, amazing community. I don't want to be part of it. Well, you know, there's limits to how much time you want to spend with other people. <laughs> I love these community spaces though, where like you literally, you wouldn't intersect with like, I don't know, a 90 year old lady and maybe someone who's still in secondary school or something, unless you're in that community space. And I think it's really important to seek out. Um, I have been thinking a lot for like, for people who are moving to like new neighborhoods, new communities, um, as you kind of grow older, I think it's really cool and important to seek out what your community is already doing mm. um, and see if there's something that interests you as well. You might have to wait three years until you go, <laughs> but <laughs> seek it out. It's, yeah, it's very like, um, it's like going to church for non-religious people because yeah. churches, people always talk about the fact that your local religious, not even churches, like any religious like place of worship, your local religious community is like a really nice thing to be a part of. And especially when people move to new places um, and like start again with like no friends or no family around, then having that space can be really useful and just like a really nice place to meet people and feel part of something. And if you're not religious, then you often feel like you don't have that. Have we talked about this on the podcast before? Potentially, but I can't remember. Me neither. I can't remember yesterday. Um, I went to choir yesterday. <laughs> Never mind. I remember. I remember it all in vivid detail. Um, so yeah, it's just, it is nice to find ways of doing that kind of thing without necessarily having to be religious if you're not a religious person. And this choir that I'm going to is a like not, not a religious choir. So it's just nice just yeah. really nice and also there's loads of men in my choir which is like yeah <laughs> Rosiana just made a saucy face she just heard the word men and that was all it took it's all I need <laughs> in many ways oh my god <laughs> but yeah so like but that's nice it makes yeah. a difference you get the baritones for oh my god yes we have a lot of like basses and tenors in our choir and I've never experienced that in any choir there's yeah. hardly ever any men so it's actually really nice that it's got men in it I don't know It's just nice. Have I said it's nice? Yeah, I think it's nice. Very, it's very nice. Um, I went bowling the other day. She actually did. so on brand. And I was just kind of like so astonished because there was an opportunity for me to bowl, which I talk about all the time. Um, As I've discussed before, I'm not a good bowler. I'm in fact really bad. And um, I remembered that my technique is picking 
the heaviest or second heaviest ball and, and dropping it and then hoping <laughs> that it rolls towards the pins. And on the first go, I got a strike and then it all went downhill from there. You really dropped the ball. I did drop the ball. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank was, you for that. That was meant to be funnier than yeah. it was. But... Yeah. But I still, I stand by bowling, number one activity, maybe, you know, number two activity is choir. Like, yeah. first date, let's go to choir. That would great. be great. I actually went to a, I think I talked, I must have talked about this on the podcast before, but I went to a sing-along event on a first date once and then just like... Was it Sound of Music? Was it, yeah, said, yeah, Sound of Music. And it's just a really funny thing to get thrown into with somebody to really kind of like, you know, work out what kind of person they are and if they go along with things and have fun or if they're like too embarrassed to join in with stuff. If it's you a test. can harmonise together. Ho, ho, ho. Oh God. Ho, ho, We're just getting worse. We're just getting worse. I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about and I can't remember. Oh, oh, my secret lover, Fabian. (laughs) (laughs) Save that one for last. Rosiana has a secret lover called Fabian. That's really it. That's the whole story. Um, That's the entire story. That really is the whole story. Yeah, there's really nothing else to add and less context and you guys weren't there so we're going to have to move on. (laughs) No, we were talking about... um... Speculate on the internet, hashtag who is Fabian. (laughs) Yeah, actually that's fine. Let's move on. The prospect of moving in with my boyfriend is getting quite terrifying and real. It's very soon. Because Rosiana moves away from me. She (sighs) leaves me and I get a boy instead. And I don't know if I want one. (laughs) Downgrade. Sorry, gentleman friend. Yeah, the thing is, gentleman friend will be listening. Why did I just say gentleman friend? Because you did. I'm so susceptible. He's no gentleman and no friend of mine. It's not a good situation. Living together is going to be awful. Do you want to ask a question to the podcast? I just snorted, which basically never happens. It was a nervous snort because I'm so scared of living with a guy. Not because of like, he's not untidy. There's no, you know. He's very nice. He doesn't have any kind of behavioural defects that are going to make it really annoying to live with him. Um, I'm just terrified because I've never lived with a romantic partner. (laughs) And I, I... Honestly, don't know what to make of the whole situation. How do you share a bedroom with somebody? I have no fucking idea and it sounds horrible. I get really angsty if someone comes into my room when I'm not expecting it. Actually, to be fair, only if my room is a complete mess, which it normally is. Because I just feel so... I've always felt that way. Like, my parents would sometimes just walk into my room kind of basically unannounced. And I would be like, get out. This is my space. And I still have that kind of territorial, like... I don't know, growly kind of thing inside me, like the monster inside Harry's chest, which purrs. But my monster is like, get the fuck out of my room. Just get out. So, I don't know. This is going to be fun. And my boyfriend will be listening to this. (laughs) Well, yeah, the only time... I know I shared with my sisters, like kind of when I was very young, but the only other time I've shared a physical room with someone was in my first year of uni. I think I've told this before when they accidentally accepted 300 too many people. So it meant that like the accommodation was running short and we had to share um, a room meant for one person. For two people, so they literally just How? put a bunk like, bed in was there. Was this in America? No, this was in this was at Exeter. <gasps> because the university hall's rooms are so small. Yeah. I don't know about Exeter. Were they... They were, they like, it would have been a fucking lovely room with a double bed. Oh, okay. Except... I was going to say, because yeah. the room that I had at university would not have even fit a double bed. So if you yeah. had to share that between two, then that would have been It was nightmare. still tiny. It was st- like, it was really nice, but like as a room, it was really nice, but it was tiny. They literally put a double bed, a bunk bed in there. Um, my uh, roommate would bring people back um, on the lower bunk. And I literally started... Like in the army. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you allowed to bring exactly. people back to your bunk no. in the army? <laughs> I don't oh. think so. Please confirm. What We've never been in the of? army. Am I thinking of camp? It's Maybe all the same, camp, probably. But you probably like some probably people probably do bring people back back to the, to the bunks. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The barracks. Okay, wait. It was a single, single bed that was a bunk bed. It was a single bunk bed. And, and she, she was boning. Bring people back, yeah. And you'd hear it all in graphic detail. And I would just pretend to be asleep or sometimes just be like, come on. <laughs> sometimes At some point you should have just reached down and stroked one of their faces. Well, I could have done that. Instead, I started making friends with the other people in my corridor who being like, I'm just going back to their bedrooms. <laughs> because then they had double beds and I could just sleep in their beds. That's and a good idea. not have to deal with, you know, porn show 101. Um... It was, a, it was a whole situation. And then she got a boyfriend who I really didn't like. Oh my God. So, I, he was awful. I honestly don't know how I would cope with that because yeah. if I hear people having sex, I just, I cannot take it like a mature adult. I feel like I'm going to vomit and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I like, I don't feel like that generally, but when it's my own room. Yeah. It's like, it's like you were saying about territorial stuff. Yeah. In fact, like towards, so I was like, continue what, like late September, October. And then in February, I got a phone call from like the housing people being like, a room's opened up and like the really nice halls and it's, um, I don't know, like and you can have it at this discounted price, but it wasn't really discounted because it was extra. Yeah. Um, and I actually said to them, I said, no, she can move. <laughs> and, like, um, and then she didn't move either. So we just like witnessed stalemate because we both didn't want to give up ground. But all my friends were in that corridor and like, yeah. in that building. Anyway, when I think back to it, I'm like, what a weird situation. That is bizarre. Have we answered a question yet? <laughs> no. Dear Lex and Rosianna, really happy to have the show back in my podcast feed. My very dear Strictly... <laughs> I just keep reading ahead in my eyes. My very dear... <laughs> my very dear... <laughs> Uh, Rosianna can't read because she is getting a little bit hysterical every time she tries to read it. Not because we... As not... if I'm the only one. Yeah, but not not because um, we think that your life or, or woes are funny, question asker, but because we're childish, immature people. So the question comes from Jackson, who says, Dear Lex and Rosianna, I have an issue I hope you can help with. My very dear Strictly Platonic friend likes to paint and recently went on a retreat where she was encouraged to paint her vulva. She did so and got a lot from the process. She then showed me one of the paintings and I said that I thought it was great that she did it and that it was such an empowering thing for her. Trouble is, she now gave me one of the paintings for my birthday. Consequently, I'm in possession of a fairly explicit A3 painting of a friend's yoni. What do I do with it? I can't stomach hanging it up in any of my limited wall space it would feel disrespectful to throw or give it away and I don't want to undermine my friend's feeling of empowerment by giving her back this very heartfelt present I appreciate this might not be the most relevant of issues to your other listeners I mean who hasn't found themselves in this position at some point in life but any advice on what I can do would be very gratefully received Rory's and Lorelai's Jackson here's a problem you love your friend you don't necessarily want to put her vulva on your wall but That's, you also yeah. want to show your love of your friend. I don't demonstrate love for my friends by hanging pictures of their vulvas on my, on my wall. But Can you print out the results of your love languages um, and then add at the bottom of your results hanging your vulva on my wall? <laughs> and just say, I love you, but it's not how I show my love. Yeah, it's not like in my top ways and of then expressing maybe love. put at the top of your love languages, putting this painting of your vulva in my cupboard. <laughs> Looking at it every day when I go to put clothes on. 
That's actually not a bad, although it would be really weird if someone came around, especially someone that you were dating and like opened your wardrobe and there was a, an A3 picture of a vulva. Just like, oh, Is like, it weirder than my... other art? Yeah, that's just my secret vulva cupboard. That's where I go to look at the vulva. Yeah. No, don't say yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> I think that's sound advice. I don't um, know, it's so hard. I don't know if it is that hard. You just, wouldn't, you just wouldn't hang it? I wouldn't hang it. I would say, this is a beautiful piece of art. I really appreciate you giving it to me. All the things that you said to us, like, I appreciate you giving it to me. I, I love that this was such an empowering thing for you. And I hope that you know that this doesn't mean that I think there's any shame around, like, vulvas. Because I think generally there is a lot of shame around yeah. vulvas. And, like, I, I always talk about the fact that, like, when you're a kid... Like, or when, like, kids are kids, they often draw, like, penises everywhere because it's funny and it's, like, a widely acceptable thing and they talk about masturbation and all this stuff and it's, like, yeah, that's a thing that cis guys are allowed to do. Um, but, like, when it comes to, like, like you know, vulvas and stuff, like, that's not, that's not a thing that we can joke about. So, yeah, you don't want them to feel like you think that it's in any way, like, shameful or embarrassing. But I think you can also just be, like, you know, it's just not... It's just not the kind of thing I would put on my wall because I don't tend to have detailed A3 <laughs> paintings of genitalia on my wall. Like, that's fine. Don't say it like I just said it because that would be quite mean. But you know, you can just really gently be like, I love it, I'll treasure it, I will put it in my secret vulva cupboard yeah. or I will, you know, keep it somewhere safe and really appreciate the fact that you gave it to me. Or you could say, if you want it back... Like, I want to keep it for myself, but if you want it back because you want to put it up somewhere or display it, or if you want to give it to someone who you know would display it, then that's fine. But I will treasure it. I just won't treasure it, like, on Publicly. display. Yes. Yeah, I think that's, I think emphasising the safety, the safekeeping, the love and the treasuring is a good way to do it. But no, it's so true about, like, pictures of vulvas in general. Because also, I've, like, realised recently that this is not a new revelation to anyone else. But, like, when we did start talking as friends and stuff about um, vulvas, like, growing up, it was always some really aggressive, violent language, like, gash. And, oh, my God. Like, gash. Yeah. I remember gash. Like, there's so many other ones as well. But, like, that was... Gash was, like, the big one. Um, and I remember when I first started, like, seeing art around it, you know, like, George O'Keefe, but then so many other artists as well. I was like, oh, it is quite pretty. <laughs> It's quite nice. I think it's also like, um, I follow uh, an Instagram account called The Vulva Gallery, which is an illustrator who just draws like all different types of vulvas and like people will send in their pictures and she will draw their vulva anonymously. Well, she's not doing it anonymously. The vulva is an anonymous vulva. Um, and put up a little like quote from them, like telling their story. And I love following it. I love seeing the variation of people's vulvas, but I also uh, really enjoy the fact that anytime I open Instagram, without fail, especially at work or on public transport, I will open it and there will be like, you know, a graphic drawing of a vulva just on my phone. And once um, my phone froze just with a vulva, like on screen, and I was like, I just don't know what to do about You're this. You're just normalizing the vulva. You're just doing what you can. I like to think that, but I also think that there's a time and a place and like, on the bus next to a like a child. Get I mean, out. there's nothing wrong with a child seeing a vulva, but it just... it's hard, isn't it? Because I feel like with everything, we're like dancing between two poles of like 
here are things that I wish we would talk about and see and like I know see represented in a certain way and be widely available and then also like the personal stress of like trying to enact that while living in the world that we live in yeah I find myself caught between those poles a lot. <laughs> I mean, I made a video recently about vaginal discharge, yeah. which was a sponsored video. Um, and the reaction has been really positive in talk talking about discharge, which like, I can't believe I've said the word discharge publicly so many times lately. But like, it's just one of those things that like, yeah, people never talk about. And I am actually really glad to have talked about it. Response to the actual topic has been really positive, which is yeah. great. Although there were people who said they wished I'd like given them more information, which is fair enough. I also think it does go to show like how little we talk about it. Because yeah. people are so... I don't know, I think people are really hungry for information and sometimes they don't know how hungry they are I really did not like the use of the word hungry. Hungry. While talking about discharge. The hungry for discharge information. Oh my god. Um, our next question comes from Runel who says, Hey Lex and Rosianna, I'm in a bit of a pickle. For context, I'm at university and I live in a university accommodation with about 40 people. I specifically chose a place that is all girls and doesn't allow any drugs or alcohol on premises because I'm not much of a party person myself and wanted a good study environment. I've lived in this place for a year and a half and it has always been wonderful. I've made some great friends and the community here is super chill about people going out partying elsewhere and then coming back home. We don't mind what anyone gets up to as long as they're home safely at the end of it. Recently, one of our housemate friends told me that she smokes weed and that she's not the only one who does and asked me not to tell anyone. I wasn't particularly concerned as I don't think it's my decision what other people do with their own bodies. But we're having room inspection soon and she has told me that she has some drugs in her room but is making sure that she will have it out of the room on the day of inspection. I don't know what to do. Should I tell the administrator or the director that someone has drugs in the house? I don't want to rat out my friend but we all signed as part of our lease agreement that we wouldn't have drugs or alcohol in the house. And I don't really want people on drugs in the house. It's one of the reasons that I chose this place over some of the other university colleges. If I did tell them, she would know it was me because I'm the only one who knows that she uses drugs. I don't want to hurt my friend, but I also don't want to hurt the house. And if they ever found out anyway, I don't want to be in trouble for keeping it a secret. Please help. This dilemma is weirdly similar to the sorting hat quiz about your friend using an illegal quill on the exam. <laughs> Publicans and penguins, Runal Waslip. I think it's like, um, it's great that you, I think, I think you're approaching this from the right angle <laughs> in your brain. Because like, you're saying that you honestly don't judge like what this person is doing, which I think is great. But that, yeah, you all signed an agreement to live in a certain way and that she is not living up to that part of the agreement. Um, I actually think that you probably don't need to tell on her now. I would say wait and see what happens with the inspection because that could change everything. Because if they find drugs, you can see how she responds. If she's going to take responsibility for that, then that might kind of solve the issues and you won't kind of have the need to like tell on her um, if she doesn't own up to it, then yeah, maybe that is the moment to, to like talk to her and say like, can you please like own up to this? Because otherwise the rest of us might get into trouble because that would be like a terrible thing for her to do. That could just genuinely change her behavior and her perspective on the whole thing. And if she gets away with it, like it's still an opportunity to have a serious conversation with her and say like, that made me really uncomfortable. I'm scared that we're going to get in trouble. Can you please not have drugs in the in the house that's part of the agreement like i don't think you need to jump necessarily to immediately reporting her basically but like give her the chance to do the right thing yeah i think that the key for my opinion is to talk to her not necessarily talk to the administrator but also i don't think um you'll be in trouble 
for not saying anything. Like that might be too much of, that might be like a leap or an assumption because I obviously don't know how it works, where you are. But if you don't, you don't have to say anything. It's all about whether you want to say something or not. Mm. Um, I think in this situation, I mean, it kind of depends on what you feel like your kind of code of duty is to yourself and to the house and to the other people living there um, and so on. I don't know though, it's so hard because I feel like university, you're both like obviously people who live there have chosen, actively chosen to live in a space that doesn't have drugs or alcohol and so that's kind of to be respected and that's part of the code of where you're living. On the other hand, university is a place where a lot of people try that for the first time and didn't expect to and they didn't like Mm. go into it saying like, oh I'm going to be quite, you know, or like their parents decided for them or they did. And so it's hard because it's like, I don't know, it's... I think that it it requires almost that person who's brought it in sort of thinking outside their own reasons for trying it and thinking, well, actually, I committed to sharing this space with other people who, for whatever personal reasons, or maybe they just don't want to, or maybe they have, like, a bad history with it or whatever, um, don't want to have drugs or alcohol in the house. Yeah, and I don't... It's not really clear if... Uh, everybody chose this because with with my experience with the university accommodation was that I requested a certain accommodation and didn't get it and got put in a completely different halls um, and mine was like a lot smaller and close-knit uh, than some of the bigger halls so it actually worked out quite well for me but this isn't about me for once so it might be that she kind of didn't sign up for that in a way like that she didn't want to be there but was put in those halls like I, I don't know because I don't think that it's mentioned in the question. So I don't think we can, I guess, make the assumption that she 100% signed up to do that. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a little bit disrespectful, I think. Like, if you had someone over to your house and said like, hey, I don't drink, so I'd really appreciate it if you didn't drink. Like, I think that would be completely fine. And this is like a weird kind of extension of that where you have to live with this person all the time. But then, oh, if I went to uni, this is playing devil's advocate, which is like every- Does the devil need an advocate? <laughs> yeah, every guy on the internet's favorite game. Um, what, if I went to uni and I was put in a halls where there were no drugs or alcohol, and I was like there to have a crazy uni time and like experiment and take drugs and smoke all the alcohol. <laughs> Wait, what were you doing at uni? I don't know. Then I guess I would be frustrated about that situation and might try and get away with a bit as long as I felt like it wasn't upsetting anybody. But it's obviously upsetting you. So I'm done being the devil's advocate. I'm not the devil's advocate. I failed at that. Sorry, the devil. I'll try better next time. Whose advocate are you now? I don't know. Your own. My own. I can see both sides extremely clearly. I yeah. Can, and I can see being in a situation where, like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. It's hard because maybe you did think at the beginning of the year that, like, you didn't want to do drugs or alcohol. And then, you know, one wild night with your friend Bobby <laughs> and suddenly you're like, I do want to try it. Um, but at the same time, like, you have a duty to other people in the house, I think. But that's how I think of, like, social contracts. Yeah, it's true. Living with people is such a personal weird thing as well. Like, it's a delicate situation. Like, I haven't said anything about the fact that Rosianna throws, like, huge naked parties, like, just all nude bodies rubbing up against each other in our very small flat. And I... Now's the time. This isn't a good joke. (laughs) Wish you did throw all nude parties. I mean, as you were saying that, I was like, God, I wish I were that person. Yeah. 
sometimes I really wish I was like more adventurous. Yeah. Then the idea of like doing anything like that terrifies me. It's just not for me. The nude party scene. The nude party scene isn't the one. My idea of adventure is playing Scrabble twice of an evening. Naked? No. Fully clothed. If anything, wearing two layers of clothes. <laughs> I you say too many clothes. Wearing too many. <laughs> too many clothes. The thing is, though, that there is this, like, element of, like, blurring. I feel like when you're around other people who are doing it and who aren't, um, I think people who aren't currently, like, smoking or taking drugs or like drinking feel like it kind of infringes on them personally whether it's that like um physical smoke which obviously like does um or just kind of this element of like being around people and feeling uncomfortable i think that's what makes conversations around drugs and alcohol complicated because for the person who's doing them a lot of the time it feels like well i'm just doing what i'm choosing to do and it's not affecting anyone else and then the person who's not doing it is like well it's affecting me so I am affected by the fact that my boyfriend has to drink coffee every day. That's... Every day? Every day. It's, he's addicted mm. to caffeine. Mm. And it's an addiction that lots of people have. It's really normalized, but it is an addiction. And he gets withdrawal symptoms if he doesn't drink coffee. So, like, if we are somewhere where we haven't had access to coffee, there's no dealer nearby, then, like, he starts getting, like, headaches and stuff by midday. And I... Like, that's such a low-key thing to affect me, but it does. So it's like, if that affects me and kind of annoys me, <laughs> then obviously, yeah, you can see how, like, drugs and alcohol would have, like, an even bigger impact, even when they feel like they're just your personal choice and they're not, like, anyone else's business. It's everyone's business that you live with. No. No, <laughs> it's not, though. That's the thing, because, like, it, on some level, yeah, it does affect you, but on another level, there are times when people are like, I can't believe some people drink. It's so bad for them. And you're just kind of like, like okay, people live. some people drink. Yeah. I, I feel I'm in two minds. I'm in two minds, too. I'm in multiple. I'm there's, in everyone's mind. There's four of us on the podcast today, yeah. and we say we can't answer this question. We refuse to. Anyway, let's move on to another question. <laughs> Hopefully we can answer this one. So we have a question from the internet. It's from Yahoo Answers. And the question is, how do I politely tell someone from Tinder I'd rather not meet him at his house? Someone invited me for authentic Chinese tea at his house, but I'm hesitant to go and would rather meet him in public. I don't know him very well and I'm afraid of being drugged and or murdered. Yet, how do I politely say this without offending him and coming across like I'm implying he is a bad person? His authentic Chinese tea, his name for his penis. I don't know, do you have to go to his house to find out? Yeah, so I think you'd better go. Yeah, taste it. Um, oh my god, taste it? Taste I did not taste. expect those words to come out of your mouth. Um, the top answer is, please don't meet up with him. You wouldn't be asking this question if you didn't know in your heart of hearts that it wasn't safe. That's very poetic, I love it. You didn't know in your heart of hearts that you shouldn't go sip his tea. <laughs> we ruined this. Um, someone else commented with a massive no picture. <laughs> I mean, I it's more common than you would think for people to just go to strangers' houses. And I actually found that... Um, I think we may have talked about this on the podcast before. My friend talked about uh, how... He was on the hookup app Grinder, and he used to just, just to just go to people's houses. People would be like, "Hey, come round." He'd be like, "All right." It sounds terrifying. Um, that is horrifying. 
Yeah. That's so scary. And I wonder if it's like a product of things that we don't understand. For example, like this kind of historic secrecy around like male gay relationships. I mean, also female gay relationships, but yeah. Like, I wonder if that kind of feeds into it because it seems so unsafe to me to just go to a stranger's house. And I mean, I even, yeah, like don't, I would never meet up with someone that I don't know generally without being like in a public place and telling all my friends where I was and, you know, making sure there's CCTV. Yeah. Which in London is not far between. We're being watched all the time. 450 cameras a day. Big brother is watching. (laughs) Big brother's having a great time. Yeah. It's hard. But then on the other hand, I mean, having said and continuing to believe like outright, don't go to strangers' houses and meet people in public if you must meet them at all. Um, (laughs) I did used to go back to people's houses after like meeting them on a night out who like yeah. I had only just met knew nothing about sometimes at university it was like the illusion of like oh they're at university as well but like sometimes not and that <laughs> also is no, no no bad people have ever gone to university yeah there's no sexual assault crisis at university are you kidding yeah, yeah what are you talking about? um yeah so there are all these kind of like illusions of security like having being in person with someone um so I don't know like it maybe it isn't as kind of out of this world as yeah it initially seems but like in my mind hell no yeah absolutely no don't do don't do meet up with people in public around other people it doesn't mean that they're a bad person or not i feel like that if you just say to them i'd rather meet up in public somewhere like can we go to this place um and they if they respond like yeah cool then it's fine if they respond like no only private yeah, or if they get annoyed at you for that, then they're just clearly not understanding the dynamics of, like... I mean, to be fair, I'm talking from a really, like, heteronormative perspective with, like, I'm a woman and I've been asked on dates by men and sometimes I've been asked on dates in, like, more secluded areas and I've always been, like, weird suggestion, but maybe it was just innocence because, like, my male friends and my boyfriend often talk about the fact that they feel no fear walking alone at night. They feel no fear, like being in a park when there's no one around and all that kind of stuff, which obviously I'm not okay with. Uh, So like sometimes it's just from a place of like them just having no frame of reference for how you would feel about something. Like I can't imagine just walking the streets at night like (laughs) this is fine. Yeah, at least for the first, at least for the first encounter. I don't know, like it's it's always weird. It's always, it's always weird getting to like, getting to know the time when you feel okay to go to someone measured against like the statistical time when it's going to be okay to go and meet up someone's house. Yeah. Like it's always a strange step. But I think that like, the very least you can do for yourself is in your first meetup, whether it's for hookup or not, start at least in public. Yeah. Like, just start in public. And have just contingencies. And, yeah. like, people Tell who know people where you where. are. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, if I don't text you at this time, call me. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Because, like, your friends, I'm sure, would be happy to do it. I... Have you ever... <laughs> I was, like, often I'll start relationships with people that I... Not often. <laughs> I'm always just starting relationships. Got, like, 12 on the go right now, actually. Um, How are you going to fit them all into this room? I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm moving in with 12 people at once. If you're in a, like, polyamorous relationship, it must be really hard if you all want to, like, move in together. You get a bigger bed. True. I know this from someone who's, um, in a thruple. Is that what it's called? A th- well, three people is the thruple. Thruple. It sounds like thruppence. It sounds like old-fashioned money. Anyway. 
Um, or you just get really cozy in a smaller bed. Yeah, but also, surely you want more space in a flat. Like, getting a one bed would be quite difficult because it's like, well, but there's three of us. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, oh yeah, sometimes if I've been in a relationship with somebody, like, sometimes even when I've been in a relationship with somebody for a while, like, five dates in, I'll still be like, I've only known this person for, like, five occasions. They could still be a murderer. And at some point, that kind of goes away. But, like, definitely even, like, months and months into relationships, I'm sometimes like, who really are you? (laughs) Yeah. Do I really know you? And it's not like knowing you you is a comfort, considering how many people are killed by people near them, which I think about a lot of the time. Oh, thanks. That makes me feel really great. I first found that out when I was watching a documentary about crime when I was five or six, and it has really stuck with me. And I can still visualise this, like, murder scene of this situation. Anyway, this is why you should not let me this around cable television. This is where deep-seated <laughs> trauma that actually doesn't trust uh, anyone in her life. I really don't know. We talk about it in therapy a lot. Oh um, <laughs> you did say that you dreamed about me killing you. Oh uh, yeah, I dream about people I know killing me all the time. Like it's a, it's a, it's almost boring. Like it's, <laughs> you're like, oh for God's sake, it's another like loved one basic, come to kill me. Yeah, it's this basic terrifying dream again. I, I mean, I think I've told it. I, can't, yeah. I must have told this before, but like. Trigger warning for the story Rosianna's about to tell for like pregnancy and blood and blood and like violence? pregnancy violence. I mean, if, if any of those put you off, just skip forward like 20 seconds. There was this dream that once I was pregnant and that um, three women chased me and then cut the baby out of my stomach. What? And then they turned out to be three of my teachers. I think this was around like A-levels time. What do you sissies? Now we're back. I don't know. Strangers, like, stranger danger. Strangers, like, stranger danger, man. I mean, you're not wrong. Oh, what was the... Okay, there was a really... Sorry, that was a weird noise. Oh, yes. A memory it has come to me. Um, I... There was a... a, 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 a there was a video we watched in PSHE. What did PSHE stand for? Personal Social Health Education. Oh, very good. Um, Thanks. And it was a video about like safety when you're out in the world aimed at kids. And it was a song that went, uh-oh, be sensible, uh-oh, be sensible, come what may. We have the right to feel safe every day. And it would like... <laughs> they didn't show that to us. Weird. It would, I think it was probably like, my school was on a budget. It had uh, like all these like scenarios that you'd be in, like somebody trying to be like, get in my van, I've got sweets. And then the person would be like, hmm. And then it would be like, uh-oh. <laughs> Wow. Well, maybe compose a theme song to remind yourself. I I really want to find oh out God. if that is on the internet. Uh-oh. I'm just Googling, uh-oh, be sensible. No, this is so <sighs> annoying. I can't find it. But it was so extremely good. If you know the made-up song that Lex is singing... I didn't make it up. Please tweet it. I wish make I had it. made it up. I'd be a millionaire by now. <laughs> Would you? Yes. I really hope that somebody else saw that exact same video. It's like everyone talks about the sex education videos that they saw as a kid. And loads of people are talking about, um, loads of people are, they're always talking about it. It's always trending on Twitter. The, uh, there was like a video which was illustrations of a, of like a, I mean, it, it was only ever like, uh, opposite sex couples. And it was a man and a woman like who were illustrations and they were kind of like dancing or chasing each other or something. And suddenly it was sex, but it was kind of really confusing and everyone just left like, with no idea what sex was out of a sex education lesson. 
I do uh, remember that. I remember the video in primary school where it was like a man and a woman going about their day, but they were naked. I and honestly think we've also talked about that on the podcast yeah. before. Because like, that really rings a bell, but maybe I'm just thinking about, you know. And then the childbirth video. Naked men and women. I've still never seen a childbirth video. Never will. <laughs> my friend chased me around trying to show me one. My friend Louise uh, wanted me to watch a childbirth video and like chase me around her house trying to show it to me and I could just hear the woman screaming and I was like, I don't The ever. woman, Louise. No, <laughs> the birthing woman. I'm never, I never, just never, thanks. Even if I give birth, I want to be completely I'll film it detached. and then I'll show it to you. I want an epidural. I want a screen put up so I see nothing below the belly button and then I just want to watch Steven Universe and like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and act as if nothing's happening and I want people to hang out with me and pretend that literally nothing is happening then they'll just hand me a baby and I'll be like where did this come from weird no one in my family's had an epidural so I feel like if I give birth I have to like keep the game going uh no they just use gas and air no and they just push through and then they just rip out their entire body no I have, there is absolutely no shame in There's dr- no sh- te- wanting drugs. No, and there's I'm, no shame in I'm it, but I feel like life. I have to keep up no. the side. <laughs> no, no, no. Because people as well are always like, you got to fully experience mm. it. And I'm like, why? Why do you have to fully experience it? Like, it's still going to be difficult. And then you're going to have a baby, which is really hard. You'll be really tired. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we've gone a little off topic. I think it's time to end the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is exactly to do with Tinder strangers. Yeah. Sometimes you get pregnant. There you go. There's the tenuous link. Um, hey. Thanks hey. for listening. Hey. hey. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Email um, us your questions. Makeoutwithhim at gmail.com. Please include your pronouns or you can tweet us at makeoutwithhim. Please also review our podcast on iTunes because that's very helpful yeah. in making people think that we're cool and important. And you can support our Patreon if you want to support more nonsense like this, which is patreon.com forward slash make out with him. Our theme music is by Orla Gartland, who is fabulous and amazing. We're seeing her in concert tomorrow. Tomorrow, we'll report back on the uh, next episode. Yeah, because we we, we'll have already seen it by the time you hear this. It. <laughs> the it. wonder. The miracle. We will have seen it. What we didn't talk about is how when I asked Twitter whether I should go see the killers on the 30th of July, you voted no. Only because I didn't see that the other option was you have a problem. Yeah. Well, neither of them are friendship material. Well, a true friend tells you you have a problem. (laughs) I'm sorry. Please enjoy seeing Maroon 5. Um, (laughs) Wow. Rosanna, like, lifted her fists like she was going to double punch me then. Like, she didn't even know what she was doing, but she was going to, like... Just punch. I wasn't aware of doing that, so that was just a physical response. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening to our podcast. Bye. Bye.